0: From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Shoe. I'm your host, Shakita Griffin. In each episode of this podcast, I talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Elizabeth Coniers Brown, class of 2001, Director, External Affairs and Communications at the Delaware River Basin Commission. As I do with most of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when Beth became interested in her occupation.
1: So I think it kind of goes back to middle school. I grew up in the era of awareness about, you know, sort of save the whales, save the rainforest, and really kind of was bit by that whole movement in the early 90s. And so definitely You know, had those posters in my room and was always a kid that enjoyed, you know, learning about nature. And so I think I really came to the current work that I do more from the nature and science side of it than the policy side that sort of came later.
0: And how did you first discover that this was even a job that you could do?
1: a lot of mistakes and a lot of ruling out what didn't work for me or what i was terrible at to be totally honest i you know i wish i had some secret formula for success but i think i'm sure you've heard this from other folks that you've talked with but so much of a career is about luck so much of it is on the personal side understanding who you are and what you're good at and what brings you satisfaction. And sometimes what you're not good at and what doesn't bring you satisfaction are kind of in that same category. So really ruling out as much as finding the one thing. I truly believe there are many paths that I could have taken that I would have found fulfillment in, but finding things that I want to avoid was definitely a big part of the process.
0: And that's something we're always encouraging students with, that knowing what you don't like is just as important as knowing what you do like. So exactly. trying things on.
1: Yeah. And not even just at that superficial level, but like digging into why didn't I like it? Like what were the skills, the experiences, the setting that made it, you know, made it not the right fit? And how do you sort of learn from that and apply it to the next, the next opportunity or, or the next direction that you take?
0: And so hearing the director title, you know, someone could have a lot of different guesses as to what that work actually looks like. So is there such thing as a typical day? What does your work actually look like?
1: Yeah, there is no typical day, which is part of what I love about it. Being the director of external affairs and communications, I really wear a lot of different hats day to day. Our department is small and we're heading up all of our communications, internal and external, as well as government relations and partner relationships. So you could get a call from a reporter, you could go to an outreach event that a nonprofit organization is sponsoring that you've partnered on, you might have a report doing the annual report for the commission falls under my department as well as thinking, you know, sort of strategically, being a strategic thinking partner to the larger leadership team. What are the opportunities looking ahead for policy? You know, maybe even legislation and funding. You know, that in in my particular role and particular space in in government, funding is always a big, big part of it. So tracking state budgets and the federal budget for us is, is part of it as well.
0: And so can you also give me a little bit of a sense of what does the River Basin Commission, the Delaware River Basin Commission, do?
1: We've been around since 1961, but we do tend to fly under the radar a bit. We're really unique in that we're both federal and state government. We are an interstate and federal compact agency. And what that means is really the states and the US government came together in the 1960s and recognized that the Delaware River is an interstate river for almost its entire length. So you're standing on Pennsylvania's shore and you're looking at another state, same thing in New Jersey, New York and Delaware, which are our four basin state and so water quality issues and water flow and and quantity issues, really it's impossible to solve the challenges that are faced in an interstate setting if you're only doing it based on political boundaries. So the four states and the federal government came together and created a space that was sort of outside the, the traditional political boundary and really followed that shape of the water, right? Follow the water, followed the, the boundaries of the watershed, right? So the area of land that ultimately drains to this major river basin, this major river, the Delaware River, and created a, a space to work out, you know, water quality and water quantity issues. And it's really been a model of collaboration among government since the 60s what we really focus on is water quality so understanding you know what happens upstream is impacting communities downstream if new jersey sets a standard that pennsylvania doesn't set or vice versa right to achieve success to achieve impact that working together is really critical and same thing for water flow management
0: that is pretty amazing and what i love about you know learning about your field and and the other conversations that i've had is this is work that you might not even know is happening right that um especially when you think about that student perspective coming in you're not familiar with too many different types of occupations and that that process of discovery that we talked about you know trying different things on and learning what's out there you know are so key so what Absolutely. did your you know path look like to this current job? I've had a
1: lot of different and distinct experiences and I think part of the you know I've been asked this question before right but part of what I think about the liberal arts experience is that opens you up to having disparate jobs or experiences that you have the capacity and the confidence to thread together into a meaningful you know what i call a through line right for for my work the through line has always been sort of translating how people deal with science how people understand the world around them and put it into action in that complex world so i've had the opportunity to do both on the communication side writing and editing for science and legal practitioners I've had the opportunity to stand in a courtroom and talk about the laws that protect our environment and whether or not they're working or not and you know applying them to the specifics of a case in front of a skeptical judge and I've had the opportunity to meet with and talk to community groups school groups and talk about you know the natural world how we make water clean, how we experience the world around us, whether it's birds or water or the playground in a neighborhood. And so all of those things have similar threads and are built upon similar skill sets. And I think that's really at the heart of it, is understanding what are those skill sets? What are those daily activities? You know, When you wake up and you say, well, I have six different things on my list, what's the thing that you want to do first, right? And if you can unpack what that is and why it makes you excited, then digging into, it's not so much about where you are, but what you're doing and mm-hmm. how you're using those skills in the world. So I think, you know, that's sort of a very, while I'm still in the thick of the career, if I have any, any wisdom at this point, it's just finding what is your through line, Definitely. you know, and making sense of things, even when on paper, they might not might seem very different.
0: Exactly. And I love that you said it's really about those transferable skills, you know, regardless of the industry or what the exact work looks like. You know, if you have this love for writing, how can that carry you through? You know, if you have this love for environment or sustainability, how can that carry through in the work that you're doing? So, again, I really love that it's can all tie together. It's not 100% just about what did you major in or did you have this specific internship or experience, but really that through line, like you mentioned, and how are you putting it together? So really great advice. And so how has COVID and the pandemic changed your work? I've been extraordinarily lucky in the way
1: it's changed has been minor in the scheme of the entire world it's changed the technology we use to connect and the way we connect but ultimately it's still about you know environmental policy is always going to be about people right and so being able to connect with people virtually or in person what i see as a silver lining has been how much the pandemic and COVID 19 especially in the early stages really gave a number of people the opportunity to discover the outdoors and discover Mm -hmm. nature and spend time in it and part of that was that's where it was safer Mm -hmm. part of it was our daily grind sort of looked a lot different and so for me in my current role i think a lot of that means that more people have experienced the Delaware River and its basin, you know, have have spent time in state parks, forests, trails, boating, what have you that maybe had never experienced it before. So for me that I take that as a net positive that there's now this greater awareness about our natural world both globally and in our in our local environment. So that's what I sort of what I sort of look to as as the silver lining. But I could, you know, I, I could also tell you, you know, having as a mom, sure. it's definitely been, you know, there have been some dark spots, right, with, um, you know, child care mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And, you know, I could tell you a story about having <laughs> a major grant deadline in March 2020 that I had to muddle through with kids home from school and, you know, a very limited amount of uh, flexibility. Yes. So, you know, it's not all puppies and rainbows. For Most sure. definitely. But we have but had I our challenges. That, yes, exactly. I think that on the whole, as I said, you know, from a personal perspective, I've been extraordinarily lucky. It's also opened my eyes, like many people, to the power of, you know, what's your partnership? What's your network like? and i'm extraordinarily lucky to have found you know a great partner at mühlenberg got nice. to um, got to give some so credit shout out, out there so, yeah <laughs> exactly so so that that's an element of it too right most so definitely not, not to not to focus just on the work but the whole the whole package oh yeah
0: to actually take it back to work what has been you know your greatest Achievement up to this point, you know whether that's a, a project that you've worked on or you know all, all of the different touch points that you've been able to have throughout your career, what's the proudest moment
1: I think I'm still building building up you know I, I really feel like it's too soon to sort of do a look back you know definitively, but I will say one of the days that I look at is the thing that really just got me in my soul and in my heart was completely unrelated to environment, policy, et cetera. But I had the opportunity while I was still in private practice of law to handle a pro bono case for a asylum applicant. And we were ultimately successful. And this individual was granted asylum. And, you know, talk about finding connection in disparate things that to me not only the ultimate result, but connecting with that person as an individual, as a human, hearing their story, you know, really just took me out of my comfort zone and, you know, not just the sort of the work and the legal aspect of it, but the connection and the human aspect of it was tremendous. And, you know, we're still in touch and I just find that to be one of the most fulfilling things I've had the opportunity to do.
0: That's really fantastic. To the flip side of that same question, in your current work, what are the challenges that you face?
1: Oh goodness, <laughs> that one's the easy question to answer. I mean, I could go on. You know, everyone's got sort of the mundane challenges. I'm terrible at administration. I'm if my if my boss is listening, he'll yeah. be the first to <laughs> chime in and agree. So you know, understanding sort of the drudgery of of work, right? It's not just the substance; it's the keeping the lights on you know is your time sheet in sort of thing but no i think i think to be a little more substantive here it's hard to maintain optimism sometimes in our world in a world that you know increasingly has challenges everywhere right and those challenges keep getting more complex and more divisive i think maintaining that optimism is really It's a struggle, you know, and I think that for many, you know, I've been both in the nonprofit sector now in the public sector, you know, sort of hearing about burnout and just thinking about like, why are we still fighting this fight? Why are we still getting up, showing up every day? But I think, you know, my kids keep me motivated. Certainly, you know, the small wins, right? The small, the small glimmers of hope and really, you know, seeing people really just show up and do the tough times don't last. the tough people do. So just sort of finding the things that help you build that, you know, that tenacity mm-hmm. and that just keep swimming sort of attitude, I think is is really where where i uh, where I go <laughs> in the darker moment. But that's a really great question, right? Because you know, on the surface, our agency, you know, is water quality, water resources management. And what a lot of people don't realize just sort of hearing the title or hearing the name Mm -hmm. is that, you know, there's a lot of impact in the water space from climate change. So that's a really interesting issue that we're diving into at the commission. About two years ago started sort of like an advisory committee gathering a lot of leading experts But understanding like how our changing climate is showing up in a changing water, whether it's more drought, more flooding, weather patterns, snowmelt changes, um, not to mention, you know, catastrophic events, right? Like we saw with Tropical Storm Ida last year and understanding how that's impacting and it's hitting communities in different ways, Mm -hmm. right? To be totally frank, like it's not an equal impact and sort of already piling on to overburdened communities and thinking about it from the lens of environmental justice. There's been a lot of, of thinking and, and looking ahead on at, at the agency. So that like water climate yeah. connection is something that's really cool that again, you know, people think about climate change as sort of an air or weather issue. And, and the water resources connection is, is something I think is really underappreciated.
0: Next, I'd like to dive into a little bit of, you know, thinking about if someone were interested in doing the type of work that you do, you know, what would you say are some of the skills that make you successful? Sure. I think
1: um, if I were starting out, so so I'll start with what my path was and then whether I would recommend that again. (laughs) So my major... At Muhlenberg, I had a double major in biology and German. Not the most popular or, or uh, you know, frequent combination, but a true, it was combination, the it's a true Muhlenberg
0: combination. All the same, it's <laughs> a true Muhlenberg
1: combination for sure. And directly out of Muhlenberg, I went to law school at the George Washington University in D.C. And, you know, I think if I were to look at where I am today and look back. The skills could have been gained other places. But I think for me, the skill out of law school was focus and writing Mm -hmm. and reading and understanding. And being able to do that a lot was, you know, really that masterclass in kind of the structure and applying that to any job is extraordinarily useful whether you're litigating a case whether you're you know advising clients or you're thinking about you know how to design a outreach program mm-hmm. the skills there and just kind of that that structure and dealing with frankly tough personalities i think that's part of sort of the the maturation of careers is you know it's not all internship where You get to choose, or you get to do like the fun dream job stuff. It's sort of what does it look like that I'm stuck with this project that I didn't ask for? I don't want anything to do with, but what can I get out of it? Right? What can I see as the net positive that's going to help me build skills, connect me to new people, or somehow otherwise be a positive experience? I would also say from Muhlenberg, just tapping into the breadth there of you know whether it's course offerings or experiences and having that ability to connect with professors and with research whether it's a science research or or other types of research that's really enabling students to get some of that experience while they're still in in the undergrad Mm -hmm. setting i think is phenomenal And I definitely did that. I credit a lot of that to, I was lucky enough to be part of the Dana Scholars Program when I was at Muhlenberg. And so, you know, that was sort of part of the the program was to do independent research, but it's not limited to that, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can do that at Muhlenberg because it is small enough and it is accessible where you've got the ability to, um, to have those experiences early that can help you shape what your next step is. So, yeah, I would say those are, those are some of the things, the experiences, and then certainly, you know, being in law school in DC, you know, if you're in a place that there's a lot happening is, is sort of, um, you know, just, just grasping that and, and making the most of, of where you are when there's a lot to choose
0: from. Definitely making those connections, right. And putting yourself out there sometimes to wrap it up, what Advice or guidance would you give to an early career professional or again, somebody maybe looking to pivot towards a different line?
1: You know, I was thinking a little bit about this. It's kind of like when you go into one of those frozen yogurt shops and you can choose any combination, right? And it's sort of like overwhelming at first. And I think, you know, the analogy is like, sure, like it's fun to put like gummy bears and you know, like cherry and, and coffee ice cream together. But at the end of the day, you've got to eat the sundae you've made. And, you know, it sort of has to taste good for you. And you might love that combination. And that combination, you know, your best friend or your partner might find horrendous. (laughs) But it's kind of that be open, but open with somewhat of a plan or somewhat of a sense that how, how is this gonna work for what's right for me? And we don't always know that, right? We don't always know, you know, today I might feel like cherry and coffee together, but tomorrow, you know, maybe, maybe I don't. So I think having, you know, trusting a little bit of your gut, gathering advisors and trusted friends, and those are absolutely, you know, Muhlenberg is the place to make those and find those and keep them close forever. And I still do to say like, hey, is this crazy? Am I, you know, am I totally out of being bath right now if I do this? And, you know, my friend can say, that's not the person I know, or I don't see you as that, or I don't see you doing that and having those conversations. So I would say, yeah, make friends, have the grounding experiences to know what's right for you and then be open to, you know, building your Sunday in the combination that you love.
0: This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by the Office of Alumni Affairs at Muhlenberg College. It was recorded remotely and engineered in the studios of WMUH Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.